Okay, welcome to Whiskey Frequently Asked Questions number eight. These are questions that come to me from you guys, the listeners, on Instagram. I post on my story once a week on Wednesday. It is up all Wednesday. There's a sticker, and you can click that sticker and post any question that you have. For those of you who are new here, my name is Chris, and I am the host of the Whiskey Noobs podcast. And as I mentioned, I'm going to be running through a bunch of questions today that you guys have submitted to me through Instagram. The Instagram is at whiskey underscore noobs for those of you who don't know and want to submit a question. I'm always happy to answer these questions on the show, so don't hesitate to ask a question if you have one. Once again, that is posted on Wednesdays. I usually post them pretty early in the morning, and it will be up all day on Wednesday for you to add a question to on my Instagram story. Now, before we get started, this is not a bottle review episode. I'm not reviewing a new whiskey or anything like that. So I will be doing a mystery whiskey review where I am going to taste a whiskey, tell you what I am tasting, and then you can try to guess what it is, and I will tell you at the end of the show. So I'm going to get started with that right now. Hopefully this one is not too obvious, uh, but I am getting a little bit of like an earthy graininess, and it's accompanied by almost a little bit of like a smokiness. It also is a little bit, it burns a little bit on the finish, but it's got a a punch of flavor that comes with that burn. That's all I'm going to say for now. Hopefully it's not too obvious, but I will once again revisit this at the end of the episode and also tell you what it is. Okay, so without further ado, let's get into the questions. The first question is, where can I get Whiskey Noobs attire, hats, shirts, etc.? Uh, this is really good timing for this question because I am working on that currently and hopefully relatively soon I will have it all ironed out and be able to tell you guys where you can buy hats and shirts and hopefully some customized Glen Cairns as well. Uh, I was expecting to have it ready a lot earlier than I did get it ready because there are some logistic problems that are popping up. Uh, For example, I think it's because of COVID originally, but obviously you would think it'd be better by now. Um, But the hat manufacturer that I used for my hats is incredibly back ordered. I think if I were to order right now, the hats that I would want would come in in like August. So I'm trying to work on different hat manufacturers, figure out exactly what I want to do and how I want to produce a couple of the different items that I'm going to be selling. So I'm working on getting that figured out. Once again, hopefully it'll be here pretty soon. I think I have a good idea of what I want to do now. I've been doing some research on the best ways to do it. And so hopefully that will be available here very shortly, relatively speaking. So where can you get them? As of right now, you cannot. Uh, as of right now, that the hats are basically the only merchandise that I have. And I have a couple of custom Glencairns that I made for myself. But you can't buy those. You can only get them in giveaways if I give any away. And I haven't for a while. So there might be a giveaway coming up. I haven't decided yet. But... Long story short, you will be able to purchase them here very soon, so that's pretty exciting. Hopefully very soon. I say very soon because relatively, for how long I've been looking into doing this, it should be relatively soon. (laughs) So that's the answer to that question. Um, Hopefully (laughs) that's a good enough answer that you're just going to have to wait, and it will be here soon enough, hopefully. The next question, I bought a bottle that doesn't taste great. What mixers do you recommend? This is a difficult question without a bit more information, such as what whiskey you're talking about. Is it a bourbon? Is it a peated scotch? Those are two very different tasting things. But some general advice, 
Um, I like to use ginger ale for a lot of mine if I'm going to be mixing or Coke. If you really don't like the taste of it, I would do like Coke so you don't taste it very much. Uh, But the other advice that I would give actually would be not to uh, mix it, but rather to keep it for guests. I tend to do this sometimes. I don't really have a bottle that I don't like and that like I won't drink neat. But if I do, or if I have a bottle that I like less than others, I will still just keep it on my shelf because if you don't drink very much of it, it lasts a super long time. And then you have it on your shelf for guests. If they like it, you know, you can have somebody try it. Most people Usually there is somebody who will like it. Uh, so if some one of your guests likes it, then you can you know let them have it. Or if you want to mix it for one of your guests, if they want a mixer and they're probably not experienced enough to taste what it is, then then you can mix it with whatever they prefer. Uh, but I do actually really like uh, ginger ale or Seven Up most of the time. Every once in a while, Coke. Usually, like if I'm out and about, like at um, like let's say a casino or something, I'll order like a Jack and Coke just because that's the easiest thing to say. So I do like it with Coke sometimes, uh, or like weddings is another common one that I'll I'll do that at. But I prefer usually 7-Up or ginger ale because I feel like I get more of the the taste of the whiskey. But if you don't like the whiskey, then maybe you want to go the other route and you want to mix it with like Coke or something like that. Uh, The other option is always to just make like an old-fashioned with it. I don't know how much, once again, uh, not as much information to go on. I don't know how much you dislike it, but if you can tolerate it, then maybe making it into an old fashioned. That's one of my other things that I'll do. If I like the whiskey a little bit less, I'll make an old fashioned with it because the bitters and the, the whatever sugar you use kind of helps cover up that whatever flavor it is that you're getting that you don't particularly enjoy. So that's all the advice that I really have for that. Nothing too special except for maybe try keeping it in case somebody else that you know likes it, one of your guests or something like that. The next question, kind of in the same vein, actually, have you had a whiskey so bad that you had to pour it down the drain? Yes and no. I've never had a whiskey that was the way it was supposed to taste, and I had to pour it down the drain. I did get a bad bottle once. I might have mentioned this before. I actually don't remember, but I did get a bad bottle of Wild Turkey 101. Uh, They took care of it. Their customer service took care of it. I got a hold of them, and they sent me a check for the money, and they didn't even ask for the bottle back. So I still have this bottle of Wild Turkey 101 that's no good. And fun fact, I actually will use that whiskey sometimes to make uh, TikToks. If I'm not actually physically drinking in the TikTok, I'll pour that in the glass as like a, a prop whiskey if I'm if I'm making it like in the morning or maybe it's a night that I'm not trying to drink, something like that, I will uh, use that whiskey because it smells bad. I don't care if I have to throw it away. But that's the closest I've ever gotten. I didn't pour it down the drain, obviously. I still have it. But I've never had a whiskey that I like tried and it tasted the way it was supposed to taste and I didn't like it or didn't like it enough to actually pour it down the drain. As I mentioned, sometimes I'll like them a little bit less and I'll just kind of leave them on my shelf. If somebody wants to try, they're more than welcome. But never so bad that I had to either give it away or, or pour it down the drain. Usually at the very least, uh, kind of going back to that last question I answered, at the very least, I can usually mix it and I'll enjoy it that way. But yeah, that that's definitely the closest I ever got. So the bottle, fun little mini story here. I might have mentioned this before. I don't, I don't really know. It was the first bottle of Wild Turkey 101 that I ever actually got. And I tried it and I'm like, this does not taste good at all. And Wild Turkey has a little bit of a funk to it that people 
mention and i thought is that what that is supposed to be is the funk and so i actually had to order a glass of it at the bar and try it and then i was like okay yeah no it's not supposed to taste the way that that this bottle tastes and so then i emailed the company and they they sent me a a check for the money that it costs and i bought a new bottle of wild turkey 101 which is the one that we reviewed on the show actually and that was the I actually like Wild Turkey 101 now, but <laughs> the, my first experience with it was not good. It took me a while to get past it because I started to kind of associate it with that nasty flavor. So that, was, that wasn't the greatest experience, but I don't want to bash the company because I absolutely love Wild Turkey 101. If you've heard me talk about it, it's it's one of my favorites um, in its price range. So I don't want to bash it by any means. And, and they, they handled it pretty well with the refund. So there's a little bonus story for this episode. Moving on to the next question, though. My favorite bourbon of all time. This is a difficult one. You know I'm pretty bad with favorites of anything. Uh, But also, I don't think, like if I'm being entirely honest, I don't think I have found my favorite bourbon of all time yet. I think I need to try a significantly larger sample size to be able to say that. And you know how many bourbons I've drank. It's not that I'm inexperienced by any means as much as I. there's never been a bourbon that I've necessarily tried and just thought, oh my gosh, this is the one. I will pay any dollar amount for this. I absolutely love this. I will always keep this on my shelf. I've never really had one like that. I will say my favorite bourbon under $30 apparently is Larceny based on the blind tastings that I just did and a couple episodes, or that was last episode actually, where we actually tried Larceny because it was my favorite budget bourbon in the Budget Bourbon March Madness. But there's definitely not a whiskey that I have tasted and like absolutely, or a bourbon I should say, that I've tasted and just absolutely been like, this is the best bourbon that I've ever had in my lifetime. This... Or I should say that I've tasted and said, I don't think I will taste a better bourbon than this or anything close to that. Um, I'm sure I'll know it when I see it, but I haven't gotten into the more expensive bourbons yet anyways. So I think maybe once I get into that range, I will start to think about that type of a thing. Think about what my favorite of all time is, but I haven't really thought about it up to this point. As I mentioned, I think a couple episodes ago, I'm hoping to start getting into a little bit higher end whiskeys. Uh, So far, I've kind of just been buying what people have been asking me to try, and that's a lot of budget stuff, which is certainly fine by me because it's easy on my wallet. Uh, But I am going to try to get into, at least in a personal endeavor, get into a little bit more of the higher end stuff and really find that favorite bourbon of all time so we'll see and i will keep you guys posted if i come across and i'm sure it'll be an episode if i have a bourbon that i'm like yep this is my favorite ever i'm sure it will be an episode okay moving on here any suggestions for a palate cleanser between tastings honestly a lot of the times i'll use water uh, i'll just swish the water around pretty significantly to get the water to get all the whiskey kind of flushed out of my mouth since it's whiskey and not food, I find at least personally that I have an easier time getting the taste out of my mouth because water just kind of washes it away. Whereas with food, I feel like, you know, there's a, it's a solid. And so it's like stuck in your teeth. It's in your mouth. It's hard to, to get the flavor out. Um, but I know that people always say dark chocolate is a great palate cleanser. So you could always try that. 
But if I'm doing back-to-back tastings, a lot of times it's on camera, and so I don't really have time to like eat a piece of dark chocolate. And so I'll I'll just have whiskey and I'll or water. I'm sorry, I'll have water and I'll swish it around in my mouth in between tastings, and then I'll move on to the next one. I'm sure you could use dark chocolate, maybe black coffee, but that might kind of mess with your palate, to be entirely honest. And that's where it's hard to say because anything too bitter or too sweet is gonna totally throw your palate off, which is probably why I I just use water most of the time. Okay, this next question could probably be its own episode, so I'll kind of cover it quickly. But it says, I don't know if you've covered barrel types, but go over bourbon barrel versus French oak versus American oak, etc. So I'm not going to go through necessarily what to expect from each of those things, because that could definitely be its own episode. Um, But I will say, I think what the spirit of this question is, and that is, that there are different finishes to whiskeys and you can finish whiskeys in multiple different types of barrels. I covered this a little bit in the what gives whiskey its flavor episode. Um, and so what this person is saying is, you know, you can finish your whiskey in a used bourbon barrel. It can be finished in a French oak barrel, an American oak barrel. Uh, they don't continue, but it could, it could be finished in all kinds of different barrels, wine barrels, sherry barrels, all those sorts of things are, are common practice for finishing your whiskey. In. And when I say a wine barrel or a sherry barrel, it means a barrel that previously aged wine or sherry. And so it's going to have some of those flavors in it from that. And those will give whiskey different flavors. And like I said, maybe this requires a full episode to say, you know, these are the type of things you can expect from bourbon. These are the type of things you can expect from French oak. These are the type of things you can expect from American oak. That could be an entire episode in itself, um, and it probably will be in the future if I'm being entirely honest. But the moral of the story is that there are different flavors you can expect from them, and there are different flavors that you can expect from different mash bills. And so you've got multiple different whiskeys with multiple different mash bills and multiple different finishes, and so that is what I think makes it so much fun to try to figure out what's giving this whiskey this flavor that it has. That's a huge part of the tastings and the hobby, and I find it to be a lot of fun. Uh, So that's kind of a half answer because I didn't run through all of the barrels, but I think that would be a good episode here in the future. Okay, so this next question, maybe this person just wants to hear me pronounce it. (laughs) No, I know this is a genuine question, uh, but I am going to have to pronounce a scotch that I do not have any idea how to pronounce it. I watched some videos, and I don't think they helped me at all. This is not a word that I think I'm capable of pronouncing, but I'm going to do my best because you guys know how horrendous I am with scotches. Lafroig, I can pronounce that. That's about it. So this person asked, what is my favorite Brooklodic product, Brooklodic. I've heard it. I listened to some videos, and it's it's a tough one to pronounce. Um, but it's basically spelled Brooklodic, and I've heard it pronounced online more like Brooklodic or something like that, or Brooklodic. So that is my best attempt, and you're probably rolling around laughing right now at my horrendous pronunciation. If you are good at pronouncing it, but <laughs> Scottish words in general. I just cannot pronounce. So that's my best attempt. And my favorite product from them. That's a great question because I haven't had any products from them. Uh, But I actually think I'm going to have to try them here soon. It looks like they're a little bit difficult to find near me, which is probably why I haven't had them before. I usually don't go super far for my, uh, my whiskeys that I get. So next time I'm kind of far away, next time I'm at a liquor store farther away, I'm going to have to get my hands on it. But 
as I mentioned, they're, they're do- they don't seem to be super available in my area. So for those of you who are curious, or if they are available in your area, uh, Bruicladic, if I pronounced that correctly, is a scotch. Uh, they are, at least on their website, they mention as like their tagline, Unpeated Isla Single Malt Range. So that means they produce Isla scotch. They're, they're from Isla, which is the region in Scotland that is famously known for having heavily peated, heavily smoky scotches. But they actually do unpeated Isla single malts, which is really interesting. And I do want to try it for that reason. It looks like they also do make some peated ones. Uh, but if you just click on like their, their homepage or whatever, it says unpeated. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And once again, they are single malts. So they are just malted barley, as are many scotches. And that is all I've really read up on for that distillery. But it's pretty interesting. And I think I'm going to have to try them here at some point. Once again, if I can find them near me, because it looks like they're not the most available scotch near me. Scotch is hard enough in the United States, it seems like, um, but it this one in particular looks like it's not in very many places in my area. So I'll give it my best try. Uh, it looks like their main flagship or whatever, um, what's it called? The Classic Laddie is available in Ohio, just not anywhere close to me so if i take a little bit of a road trip i will try to pick it up and try it this next question do i listen to other podcasts like mine uh, you might recall there was a slightly similar question earlier uh I think last FAQ, if I'm not mistaken. And they asked if I listen to Spirit Podcast, and the answer to both is no. Um, I don't listen to other podcasts like mine. I used to watch a few different YouTube channels about uh, whiskey, but I don't anymore. I try to stay away from it for a couple reasons. The first is simply that I just run out of time. I listen to other podcasts, and I run out of time to listen to podcasts about what I podcast about (laughs) podcasts like mine the other reason that has kind of developed more recently as I kind of purposefully don't watch other people's stuff because I don't want any of my content to be inspired by their content and then therefore come across as copying their content essentially I don't want to watch somebody's YouTube video or listen to somebody's podcast and then forget about a specific episode that they did, and then a year and a half from now, make that same exact episode by accident or something like that. So I try to stay away from that. And then I also have the the plausible deniability that <laughs> I haven't watched your stuff. So if you think I copied you, I probably didn't. It was probably a coincidence. But I don't ever want to come across as copying somebody else. So that's one of the reasons I don't listen to other podcasts like mine. Um, and then once again, I like listening to stuff about whiskey. I definitely do. But I don't ever really have the time to I listen to a few different podcasts and so it's hard to find time for the other ones some of them are like higher priority because I'm learning things from them stuff like that so I don't listen to anything about whiskey or alcohol or anything like that I might have some collaborations coming up with some other podcasters slash youtubers that would be pretty exciting so I'll keep you guys posted on that there are a couple that are potentially in the works and hopefully we will be seeing some of that stuff soon without giving too much away all right, so the next question is a good one that I haven't covered for a while. I haven't covered this probably since pretty early on in the show, actually. And it is, what is my method of tasting a whiskey? Small sip and swish or something else? Essentially, small sip and swish. So what I normally do when I'm tasting a whiskey, um, obviously you have the nose. And, and for the nose, I will 
sit farther away from it. I don't really think about it this in depth anymore, but when I'm teaching somebody to, this is what I do. I'll say, get your nose farther away from it, scoot in very slowly, just until it burns your nose, and then back out just right behind that, right behind that point where it's burning your nose. And that's how I do the nose of it. But you ask specifically about uh, tasting it. I'm assuming you mean like the palate. And so what I do for that normally, I kind of do this subconsciously now, but I do still do it, is I'll take an initial sip that I know is going to burn a little bit. Unless sometimes 80 proof doesn't even really burn anymore, but especially higher proof stuff. I'll take an initial sip that I know is going to burn, and then I will get a little bit of flavor from it, really let it coat my inside of my mouth. And then I'll take another sip, and I will study that sip quite a bit more and I do you mentioned swishing I do somewhat quote-unquote swish I usually kind of move it around my mouth with my tongue and kind of try to coat the entire inside of my mouth with it hold it in my mouth for a couple seconds continue to taste it continue to move my tongue around you'll see if you see this in my videos you'll see that it kind of looks like I'm chewing it Um, and that is one of the techniques people say is to chew it quote-unquote And so that's essentially what I do to get most of the flavor from it. And then I'll sit with it for a while, redo the nose, redo the the chewing, quote unquote, of the whiskey, and just kind of keep doing that until I have a good idea of the profile. So the the small sip and swish, what I think you're referring to is, is basically what I do, except I would say small sip slightly larger sip and then swish because I I like to do a little bit of a sacrificial hey this is going to burn shock my palate type sip especially if I haven't eaten or anything like that but once again nowadays that's that's a lot subconscious Um, that doesn't happen very consciously anymore it's just kind of the pattern that I've established for tasting whiskey but that is how I teach folks to do it uh, when they're first getting into it and don't stray away from a slightly larger sip as well Uh, I noticed that you say small sip and sometimes I think if you sip too small all you really get is the burn you don't really get any of the flavors and so I actually like to do what I consider a medium-sized sip but I think to an inexperienced person they might even consider it like a, a large sip a full-sized sip Um, but don't stray away from those because once you get past the burn those are what really bring you the flavor and some people I think think there's no enjoyable portion of this it's just burning and it might be because they're not getting enough to really taste it but that's just my two cents and my palate I think is used used to it enough that maybe that's bad advice but that's the way I see it moving on to the next one have I done a review of Wyoming whiskey I have not done a review of Wyoming whiskey. I did look it up, and it looks like it's available in Ohio, but once again, not super close to me. Like, it's available, but it's not super readily available. Um, But I am going to keep an eye out for it, and I've added it to the list. I'm going to have to give it a try. Uh, It looks like it's a a small batch bourbon from Wyoming, as it says in the name there, and it's actually a, a weeded bourbon. So I'm pretty excited. I haven't tried too, too much outside of Kentucky. Um, obviously I've, I've had bourbons outside of Kentucky and I've even done reviews of a couple on here. I'm pretty sure, but I love to try things from different places. I like to try your American single malts and of course, bourbons that are made outside of uh, Kentucky. So that will be added to the list for certain to try. So that once again, that is Wyoming whiskey. And it looks like the only one available close to me is the Wyoming small batch bourbon. So I'll be giving that a try. That looks pretty interesting and once again i have added that to the list so i can't really tell you my thoughts on it now but hopefully soon enough i will be able to okay moving right along here we have actually just mentioned how i haven't had a ton of non-kentucky uh bourbons but the next question is 
thoughts on non-Kentucky whiskey? Uh, this person says, there's a little bit of a, a paragraph here, and they say that they've been pleasantly surprised by others, even though they know that a lot of what is considered the best comes from Kentucky. And so they asked, uh, what are my thoughts on non-Kentucky whiskeys, and do I have a favorite non-Kentucky whiskey? So I'll have to think about the favorite while I talk about this. But what I will say is um, I I want to make a clarification here that I'm assuming you're implying a non-Kentucky bourbon because there are a lot of whiskeys that are made not in Kentucky. Um, so I'm just going to go on the assumption that you mean a non-Kentucky bourbon. Um, and in that case, I, as I kind of alluded to in the last question, I very much enjoy non-Kentucky bourbons. I like trying things that are a little bit unorthodox, a little bit untraditional. And so I like to try non-Kentucky bourbons. I like to try American single malts. I like to try all of those sorts of things. And I think a lot of craft distilleries are really helping to promote that and really get a few different types of different untraditional things out there, which is really exciting. Uh, so my opinion is I think it's awesome. I think all the untraditional different things are awesome. Do I have a favorite? Not necessarily. I haven't tried enough to really say I have a specific favorite, I don't think. Um, but I will say a couple of good ones that I've had. I'm pretty sure Brothers Bond is is not Kentucky. Um, and I really liked Brothers Bond when I tried it. I also know for sure Heaven's Door, the bourbon that I had from them was their Tennessee bourbon. And I really liked that as well. Both of which I think were riding the line of being overpriced. Another one I've had that I don't think is overpriced, I think it's a, a pretty solid price, is uh, Chattanooga whiskey, the, their straight bourbon whiskey. I've had their 91 and also their 111, I want to say it is. And I think both of them are very enjoyable for the price. They're pretty inexpensive. I want to say like 30 bucks. Maybe they're a little bit more than that. Hopefully hopefully I'm about right. Um, I think they're they're valued at about 30 bucks in my mind, though. Like I, I would pay about 30 bucks for it. So uh, low 30s, if I'm not mistaken. And it's a pretty good non-Kentucky bourbon that I've had. Um, those are just three off the top of my head that, that kind of stand out. So I guess you could say they're my favorites since they're standing out in my head. But I, once again, haven't tried a huge amount. So I don't want to really say, oh yeah, this is the best. This is my favorite. But overall, uh, I think they're all, all three of those ones I mentioned are enjoyable. And in general, most of the non-Kentucky bourbons that I've had have been enjoyable. But you'll always have the people who argue that they're not bourbons if they're not made in Kentucky, which is not true. <laughs> so moving on to the next question, do I have any experience with local distilleries versus nationwide brands? Yes, actually, um, mainly because a lot of times local distilleries are the ones who are really trying to get their brand out there and will send me samples to review. And I don't know if I really have a, a preference between the two. I think they both have their place. I think your big staples have their place, especially with what I do in terms of they're available everywhere. And so I'm, I'm talking to people across the country and in different countries listening to my show and watching me on TikTok and on Instagram. So I really think that that is a, a benefit of having the large nationwide brands, you know your Jim Beams and Elijah Craig's and those sorts of things. And those make it pretty easy to recommend things to people who don't live where I live. But I do think local distilleries have their place as well. And I really enjoy local distilleries. Um, I think I mentioned just now in the previous question that local distilleries, a lot of times will do the more craft things, the more unorthodox things. They'll try new things out. And I really enjoy that. 
one of the more local distilleries that we just had on was Middle West Spirits. They're from Columbus, Ohio, and I am up near Canton, Northeast area. And so I think that's pretty cool. They're they're pretty local to me and they're making a wheat whiskey, which is something that other manufacturers haven't even tried yet. Some of the nationwide brands haven't even done yet. And I really like that about local brands. I like that they try new things. I like that they're working on making things more craft and basically going out on a limb to do something like a a straight wheat whiskey. So my experience with local brands has been pleasant. Uh, There are a couple of bourbons made up in Cleveland as well. And then there are also a couple that I've had that were local to the area. Um, So in general, local whiskeys, I tend to enjoy. And I love to try them and really see how they're different because they're local, they're small batch. A lot of the times they're, they're, very specific craft uh, with a lot of the smaller distilleries. And so I think that's pretty interesting. Now I will warn, I will forewarn that I do think some local distilleries, they will just throw a whiskey out there in order to have a whiskey. And there's nothing wrong with that by any means, but I think they sometimes whiskey isn't their main thing. And so you have to be careful because you don't want to just think, oh, like this is going to be super craft because it's a small brand, because it's local. It doesn't necessarily make it a craft distillery that can, you know, those are two different things technically. And so you want to be careful that it's not like mainly a vodka distillery or mainly a gin distillery. And they just have a whiskey because whiskey is popular right now. And so they just happen to make one and then they, you know, distribute it and you think it's going to be a craft whiskey. And in reality, it's no better than an expensive mixer that can happen sometimes as well. And I have had that happen, but I'm not going to call it any specific distilleries, but there has been that before where I'm like, Oh, I think you just kind of made a whiskey to have a whiskey, but I don't think your whiskey is very good. And that happens sometimes. And once again, not the fault of the distillery. A lot of times that will be because their thing that they do is not whiskey or they, they really do something different and then they also just happen to make a whiskey. So that's the type of thing that you want to keep in mind when you're looking at local distilleries. But I always recommend trying them. I'm a big fan of supporting smaller businesses. Once again, a lot of local distilleries are the ones that want to, or smaller distilleries, I should say, are the ones that want to send out samples and things for me to try. And I've had pleasant experiences with pretty much all of the samples that I've tried so far. So I don't really have anything to complain about with local distilleries. But like I said, I think they both have their place, local distilleries and nationwide brands, because something as simple as a nationwide brand, like I mentioned with Wild Turkey, can have a bad batch. So it's it's not like you're guaranteed to have a good whiskey with a nationwide brand. So give your local distilleries a try. Support your, your local businesses. I think it's more exciting and more fun when I know that it, it came from somewhere local. I think that's pretty exciting. All right. Our last question, last but certainly not least. You said you're trying to get into scotch more. Have you tried Ardbeg 10-year? I have not, uh, but Ardbeg in general, something from Ardbeg, probably the 10-year, is one of the ones that I'm really wanting to try soon. Um, It's on my shorter list of scotches. It's pretty high up on my list is what I should say of scotches that I want to try. So I probably will be trying it here soon. And since you asked, I will add it to the list of whiskeys to try. So from this episode, we will be adding Ardbeg. We will be adding Wyoming whiskey. And we'll try to find if we can find that one that I can't pronounce, Bruicladic. That's probably the worst way to pronounce it in the world. But, But I can't pronounce Scottish words for anything. So I haven't tried it. 
I want to try it. I know Ardbeg is a really, really popular scotch, so I, I do want to try it and get an opinion on it. There are a couple of semi-popular, or I should say more popular scotches that I haven't tried yet, a lot of which are peated, and I, I like peated scotch. I think it has its place. I think it is really, really good when I'm really, really in the mood for it, but I don't get in the mood for it super often, so that's kind of the, the give and take of peated scotches. But I do want to be trying a few more here soon, so I will, like I said, add Ardbeg to the list, and we will be trying it soon enough, the Ardbeg 10 years since you asked. That is all we've got for questions today, though, so I'm going to wrap this episode up with one more review of this mystery whiskey, and I'll let you know what it is, and that will be all that we've got for the show today. Okay, so for this mystery whiskey, I am, once again, I'm getting very earthy notes, Somewhat grassy, um, definitely, I would say, grainy, malty notes with a little bit of a honey with that delivery and then almost a little bit of fruitiness. There's a good amount of complexity with this because it has a good amount of body to it. That good amount of body definitely comes with a good amount of punch, though. Hopefully the grainy malty notes indicated to you that I'm drinking either a scotch or something very similar to a scotch because this technically isn't a scotch, but I am drinking Balconis Texas Single Malt. Uh, We had this a few episodes ago, you might recall, and it is a single malt whiskey, so it is made just like a scotch, just like a lot of single malt scotches, but it's actually made in Texas uh, in America, so it's not a scotch. But I really enjoy this one. It has a good amount of punch to it. And like I said, that punch brings some flavor. So when I'm in the mood for punch with flavor, a lot of times I'll find myself going to the the Balcones Texas Single Malt. So I really enjoy it. And hopefully you at least got that it was, if you guessed scotch, then I'm going to say you get half credit because it's almost a scotch. All the notes that I said would be characteristic of a scotch, Um, but it is actually not. It is an American whiskey. So so hopefully that helped you learning a little bit more about blind tastings and how to guess what a whiskey is based on the notes. But that's all that I had for this episode today. So once again, thank you so much to everybody who submitted a question. If you have any questions you want me to answer on the show, please do not hesitate to ask. They don't have to be about whiskey. They don't even have to be about alcohol. They can be about whatever you want to hear me answer. You can Submit those questions on Wednesdays at whiskey underscore noobs on Instagram. I will post it to my story, a sticker saying, ask me a question. And all you got to do is type out your question and hit send. Nobody else can see it except for me. And I will answer it here on the show. Once again, thank you guys for your submissions. And until next time, I will leave you with learn to drink, drink to learn. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Whiskey Noobs. If you like the show, please make sure that you tell anyone you know who you think would be interested in the hobby or in the podcast. That way we can help to spread the word and continue to grow. Please also make sure to review the show on Apple Podcasts and share our posts on Instagram at whiskey underscore noobs or on TikTok at whiskey noobs podcast. Uh, It only takes a couple of minutes and it really does a lot to help spread the word and grow the podcast. Also, there is an email list for the show. If you'd like to join, you can just send an email to whiskey noobspodcast at gmail.com and in the subject line put email list i will add you to the list and then you'll be updated every month with the whiskeys that we will be drinking on the show throughout the month that way you can drink right along with us and see if you're getting the same notes once again thank you so much for listening to the show the whiskey noobs podcast does not support underage or otherwise irresponsible consumption of alcohol